welcome back to WBT Radio and the Pete Kaliner Show. And I am not Pete Kaliner. This is Brad Slager from townhall.com and redstate.com filling in for Pete while he's on his well-earned and uh, hopefully restful break for the next four days. So you are going to be in the hands of the original Florida man as I'm down here in South Florida, the hotbed of Ron DeSantis and Republican resurgence in the tropics here um uh, media coverage is my expertise as it were that's my daily column at town hall and my twice a week podcast at red state and what i want to explain next for this uh, hour is how the press has been handling guns and shootings in this country it's uh, it's very revealing. It's very emblematic of the narratives that they try to push on this country. And this is why I think it's important that we pay attention to the operations of our press industry. Because even, as I said in the first hour, where public trust in the media is waning, the public influence and the political influence of the press remains a factor. And this is one of those aspects because it's pretty clear most uh, journalists and news outlets favor gun control, favor putting limits on the Second Amendment. And they do so in the way that they cover these shootings. You know, we're well conditioned when a mass shooting takes place. We're going to hear a number of it's almost to the point of being cliche. And a number of declarations are going to come out of the press. They're going to give the proper people airtime as they deem to be proper. But it gets even more pernicious than that because the way they cover these shootings is where things get revealed. It's what they don't report on also that displays the bias because there are a number of times these mass shootings take place that do not fit their narrative. And what happens? They do not cover those. So I can come out and tell you, yeah, you don't listen to the press here or be wary of this. And people might think, yes, we're familiar with that. But just as important are the things they don't report on when they don't cover particulars or specific shootings that don't fit the narrative, they don't get out in the public. And for the most part, people don't hear about them. So first off, what are some of the shootings that have been prominent in the news? The Uvalde school shooting in Texas. In Buffalo, we had the shooting that took place at the grocery store where a number of blacks were killed by a white individual. And then we recently uh, had the one in Indiana. And the way that these get covered are revealing, but there's other shootings also that are noteworthy or should be, and yet are not. We'll start with Buffalo. They were all over the Buffalo shooting, as we recall, a good week or two of full-blown coverage of what took place. A white supremacist individual had geared up targeted the store, specifically sought out black victims. It was just the highest watermark example of racism. But the way they covered this is where the details come into play here. The very first thing they did was suggest 
this individual was motivated and influenced by those on the right. The white supremacist movement, the hateful race-based organizations online had motivated them. And then they tied this into Tucker Carlson. Because Tucker has at times talked about race replacement theory, and this fit right into the narrative. And therefore, he and Fox News and GOP and the NRA were all tied in together as being responsible for this shooting. This, this was their handcrafted narrative, and it came about conveniently for them because they failed to detail quite a few things about the individual who did the shooting. First off, there was zero connection ever made between the shooter and Tucker Carlson or Fox News. There was no proof that he watched. There was no social media post where he was repeating verbatim anything Tucker had said that motivated him, things of this nature. So basically what this became was a case of them presenting a variety of dots and yet never managing to actually connect them. Then the next aspect of this, they had to reclassify the writings of this individual by saying it was not a manifesto, despite the fact that there were copious pages of this kid's writings explaining himself. The reason it can't be a manifesto is because then that would be a solitary individual, a lone wolf, a disturbed individual. And that led into their second or third piece of narrative, which was don't say this was mental illness. Why? Because then it doesn't fit where they were trying to tell us he went out and sought this dangerous white supremacist influence. He went online and was taken over by it. If he's a disturbed individual, that all gets canceled out because that rises to the top. That was the reason for the shooting. He's mentally disturbed. No, no, no. So they have to take that off the table. They have to take a manifesto off the table and reclassify it. Here's where it got really disturbing, however. There's a writer at CNN by the name of Casey Tolan, and he was writing in the Reliable Sources newsletters where I picked up on this one. And Casey Tolan wrote this. In the writings, the attacker allegedly details how he had been radicalized by reading online message boards while describing the attack as terrorism and himself as a white supremacist. He wrote that he had, quote, moved further to the right, unquote, politically over the last three years. The suspect started browsing the message board 4chan. So this is the way Casey Tolan is setting the shooter up as a conservative and having been influenced by far right extremists. Except I saw large portions of this manifesto. A number of people in the press got a hold of it. And what he had done was basically set up an interview with himself. He would pose questions and then he would answer the questions. These would be for himself. So this was his way shorthand of explaining his position of explaining who he was what he was doing what his motivations were where he came from with his thinking and amazingly this doesn't paint 
the picture that the media wants to. So we're going to come back from break. I'm going to go through the details of this manifesto and show you where the press completely butchers their own narrative. Welcome back to the Pete Culliner Show, as I am Brad Slager from Town Hall and Red State, filling in for Pete. Now, we've been uh, discussing the media and its coverage of the mass shootings that have been taking place across the country and how they are using their coverage to basically mold and manipulate the gun control narrative in this country. The way they do this is through the coverage how slanted and selective their coverage is. So I was talking about the Buffalo shooter before the break and how it was being covered. And CNN was insisting how he's a conservative, how he came from the right. And his name is Casey Tolan, one of the reporters over there, who actually quoted a passage from the shooter's manifesto, which they didn't want to call a manifesto, but they said that he wrote how he had moved further to the right. This was how they came up with proof. This is some of the worst manipulation I've seen in the press this year, especially considering the subject matter. Because while technically that is a quote from the shooter that I moved further to the right, What Tolan gives you there is half of a sentence in order to sell you something. So like I was explaining, the shooter in his manifesto had set up on paper an interview with himself. He would ask rhetorical questions and then answer them. And this is a way of explaining his philosophy. I want to start with this entry because I did have access to large portions of the manifesto, as did many others in the media. Bear that in mind as they're trying to sell you what this guy was and try to insist on him being a conservative. There's this passage. One of the questions he asks of himself, are you a conservative? Listen to his own answer. No. Conservatism is corporatism in disguise I want no part of it. Now try to square that with the message that's being sold by the press. How this guy is from the far right, influenced and poisoned by Fox News and Tucker Carlson and white supremacists and the NRA. Here he is in his own words, declaring I'm not a conservative and I want no part of it. Then I came across the passage where Chris Tolan had his little phrase. His proof, quote unquote, that the shooter was a conservative. Here's this passage. The question, did you always hold these views? His own answer. When I was 12, I was deep into communist ideology. Talk to anyone from my old high school and ask about me, and you will hear that. From age 15 to 18, however, I consistently moved further to the right. There's the sentence. 
you see the game that Chris Tolan played right here. He moved further from the right from communism, not moved to the right of center and went into conservative. No, he used to be a wide left-wing communist and moved further from the right, from that extreme position. And then he goes on to say this, on the political compass, I fall in the mild, moderate, authoritarian left category. These are the words of the shooter from Buffalo. That he moved further from the right from communism and currently calls himself an authoritarian leftist. This is the guy that the press is trying to sell us as being conservative, as being influenced by the Republicans, Fox News, Tucker Carlson. He wants nothing to do with it. his own words. I want nothing to do with conservatism. And this is where the press is outwardly lying to us about so many aspects of the quote unquote gun culture, mass shootings, the problems in this country. Here's another little nugget of information that they do not want to get out. What is the preferred target as far as weaponry goes for the press? <laughs> I might've triggered them by saying targeting. Oops. I might've triggered them by saying triggered, but what, what do they do? They, uh, they focus on the AR 15, do they not? That's their weapon of choice when it comes to their focus. That's what they want to get rid of. The AR 15 is involved in an, in a tiny amount of gun crimes, 6% on average. And yet they focus almost entirely on it. Why? Because if they can demonize the AR 15, they can get the AR-15 removed from the public. And then all the aspects of the AR-15 can be applied to other guns. Oh, it was a semi-automatic. Welcome back to WBT. I'm Brad Slager filling in for Pete Kaliner today on the Pete Kaliner Show. Now, we've been discussing for this hour how the gun control narrative and gun control reporting has been manipulated by the press. And just before going into the break, I was discussing how the focus is entirely on the AR-15, demonizing that gun and the reasons behind it are where things get revealed. This is the most popular rifle sold in the country by far. I mean, people just love the AR-15. So anytime the AR gets used, it is highlighted. If there's a mass shooting and the AR was involved, the gun was blamed. I mean, they trend to cover the AR-15 as if it has mystical powers that overtake an individual. You know, there was this old Bugs Bunny cartoon 
where he and Elmer Fudd are racing through a valley and a truck has its back doors open that's transporting theatrical costumes and a ton of hats start spilling into the valley. And every single time a hat falls on the head of a character, they just come transformed into that individual. You know, it's a military helmet, they start barking orders. Or if it's a judge's curls and you start talking like a barrister. The press sells us on the concept that the gun has this same effect on people. You could be a straightforward, straight arrow citizen who's never committed a crime. And the second you touch an AR-15, your eyes glaze over wide-eyed and you become a murdering sociopath. The fact is the AR is hardly used in gun crimes. Statistically. Try to balance that out, though. You're talking about the most popular weapon at least as far as rifles are in the country and it's barely used for crimes uh, a number of studies have been done and and counting statistics and such and the ar doesn't factor as much over two-thirds or just about two-thirds of all murders gun deaths take place with handguns that's the prevalent weapon of choice of the criminal element in death. How is that not the focus of gun grabbers? Because they're too widespread, they're too popular, they're too commonplace. But, you know, if you come in over the top and say, I'm going to get rid of all handguns, you're going to get mass resistance. It's just a fact. It's not going to happen. But if you target the AR, demonize it you know it's a scary looking weapon it's got all the handle and it's got the muzzle flash on it and all the other attachments that make it look scary you know the argument is look we'll just get the ar-15 off the street we'll be safe but all the components of the ar will then be used to go after the other guns you know the ar is not a weapon of war it never was used in the military when it was developed in the 50s and 60s, it was a domestic weapon, semi-automatic, just like many handguns are semi-automatic. And then you start to see the game plan because then they'll say, well, hey, we got rid of the AR because of these components. And if those same components are in the handguns, then the handguns have to go. This is their progressive step to get into gun control. And they do it by manipulating the news stories of the shootings. So here's how it worked out in Buffalo. He's not a crackpot. You know, he's not mentally affected. He didn't write a manifesto. This is pure racial hatred on his part. And he was motivated by those on the right. Despite the fact that I just read you all his words where he declared himself a leftist and used to be a communist. But this was what the press held up as being the worst part of the shooting was the racial element. He hated blacks, and this makes it even worse. And it's this kind of hatred that we have to get rid of. Until it shows up in another part of the country, interestingly enough, because almost at the same time as the Buffalo shooting was a number of shootings taking place in the city of Dallas. A few days before, 
individual had walked into a place of business and shot some of the workers and employees and customers targeted them for being Asian. And I think it was about the third such instance of this happening. Somebody with a gun specifically seeking out Asian businesses. So this is racist. This is, this is purely racist using a gun to go after people based on their race. Except we found out the individual was a black male. And all of a sudden, the narrative didn't work for the press. So therefore, the press didn't cover the story with anywhere near the zeal that they covered Buffalo. You know, despite the fact that Buffalo was a one-off, as you could say, you know, he, it happened on one day. Sure, there were a lot of deaths, not to minimize any of that. But here we had repeated instances of an individual going through Dallas and targeting Asian businesses, but it was a black man. And so it didn't get the coverage. Also, once they did track this individual down, because the same vehicle they found out was at these shootings, and they tracked him down this way. It was explained away that this individual had mental issues. And that was all it took for this story to disappear. So an individual who's mentally affected and going after Asian individuals is put aside and the story is left to evaporate because it doesn't fit. The press didn't like the components of that story. And this happens frequently. Uh, let's see. We could take a look at the Highland Park mass shooting that took place. That one didn't quite have as much traction as the Buffalo shooting either. How come? Well, the individual, Robert Cremo, he self-described himself as a left woke individual, a leftist. He also was spotted with tattoos on him from Antifa. Antifa, for whatever reason, is the approved dangerous group in this country. The press doesn't seem to have near as much energy demonizing Antifa and their violent actions. Isn't that kind of interesting? So white supremacists who are violent are the worst thing on the planet. Antifa showing the same type of violence, not so much. And then we also have the individual that went after Brett Kavanaugh. This is a deeply interesting story. Because let's face it, all the elements are there, right? We have an individual with weapons targeting somebody with violence and his family. Yet look at the level of apology and excuse making that went on. The one that went after Brett Kavanaugh somehow wasn't violent. And I'm going to get into some more of his details in just a few moments, too, showing why they backed off of this story.
And welcome back to the Pete Callender Show. This is Brad Slager filling in for Pete in his absence. So we have been talking about how the press is manipulating and contorting the national narrative on gun control, gun stories, on mass shootings and such. Tying into that, we had a pretty amusing episode take place on the Capitol a few weeks ago. Conservative comedian by the name of Alex Stein. I met him myself actually a couple weeks ago, but he perched himself on the steps of the Capitol shooting a video in which Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was walking up the steps to go to work and he's loudly proclaiming his adoration for her in comical terms. Somewhat derogatory, maybe possibly even sexist. Maybe not everybody's cup of tea comedically, but he was just basically proclaiming how much he adored her and her Latin booty and things of this nature. And she became unraveled at this. She got mad. She's walking up the steps and stopped. She paused. She approached him, started screaming and yelling at him and things of this nature. He never moved. He stayed in his position. She had to approach him. And then on social media, it became more comical where she became upset about this. I'm not going to dignify him, she said. And then she proclaimed, I'm not even going to give this guy any more publicity. And in the very next tweet, promptly posted the very video he was shooting of this. But what was telling here is that she goes inside the Capitol and then demands that she be given specific security detail as a result of this. She needed to be protected with armed guards because of the assaulting words that she had to endure. The significance of this is that it was just days, maybe a week or so earlier, she had denounced Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh as being threatened. He should expect it. He should endure this kind of thing. He should expect to have somebody threaten his life with weaponry because of the court decision. You know, there was a, and shortly after this, he had gone out to dinner at one restaurant in D.C. And uh, a bunch of protesters got word of this, showed up and started loudly protesting outside the restaurant. He had to be escorted out the back by security. And she and the media all jumped on him. Oh, what a snowflake. Look how weak he is. He couldn't get his dessert, and he's complaining. All of these accusations. Brett Kavanaugh never made comment one. I, I looked diligently for any quote from Kavanaugh regarding the restaurant episode. Nothing to be found. Yet everybody claimed he withered and was soft and was complaining about it. But the significance is this. Nobody in the press was as outraged about the fact that he had his life threatened individual by the name of Nicholas Roski, 26 year old traveled across the country to target Brett Kavanaugh. He was arrested and they tried to diminish this as much as possible. He never actually threatened him. He actually called the cops on himself and therefore it doesn't count <laughs> is what they try to tell us. He was arrested while in possession of a knife, pepper spray, zip tie locks, he had burglary tools on him, and a handgun. By all appearances, ready to target Brett Kavanaugh 
with violence. And the press and the Democrats just want to dismiss this. Oh, you know, th this is expected when you have a controversial Supreme Court decision. You should you should expect to have people threaten your life and your family's life and go to your neighborhood with weapons. Somehow this is acceptable. All during a period of time in which they're lecturing us about guns, about the danger of guns and how we need to stop people with guns. They're acting as if this is permissible. Well, there's probably a reason for this and why he was being targeted. The FBI have actually found a communication with Roski and another individual on Discord talking about what he was going to do. And it is unmistakable what he was going to do. So Roski says, I'm going to stop Roe versus Wade from being overturned. The person he spoke with asked, what are you trying to do? Roski says, remove some people from the Supreme Court. The person he's speaking to says, are you going to run? Roski says, do you mean afterwards? And the person says, yeah, good one. Two dead judges aren't going to do anything. The whole government is screwed up. There's no fixing that. You would die before you killed them all. Roski responds, yeah, but I could get at least one, which would change the votes for decades to come, and I am shooting for three. This is what the FBI have uncovered about this man targeting Brett Kavanaugh. Well, wait a second. I might have to check that. This is probably, not to mention the Roe versus Wade component, Here's a possibility of another reason why the press is backing off of the story of Roski. Some people online have uh, found his profile. You know, he was known by a number of aliases, one of which was discovered on Reddit. And this is probably a contributing factor of why the press doesn't want to detail this individual. American Nick was one of the account names that Roski went by. And American Nick on Reddit described himself as 24-year-old MTF, male to female. And declared that I'm a 24-year-old MTF college graduate looking for a woman, preferably within five years of me, younger or older, and goes on and on to describe themselves as being a trans individual. And as we now have learned, trans individuals are kind of off limits. We're not, we're not allowed to criticize them, question them, challenge them in any fashion. So note the significant change and shift in media coverage here. If you target somebody they consider to be the right individual or somebody worthy of targeting, which would be a Supreme Court justice overturning abortion, then it's okay. Make it that they're being threatened by a trans individual, and there's all the more reason to not cover the story. <laughs> so the selectivity of outrage and the convenient methods in which guns are or are not 
blamed, demonized, and characterized as a problem is the big problem in the media these days. All right, we are at the top of the hour here. I am Brad Slager filling in for Peak Liner. I've got another hour left, so I encourage everybody to stick around as we have more on the way.